0: Welcome to MLD Wealth, Money Matters, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights on the market and economy. Hosted by Chad Larson, top ranking portfolio manager at CG Wealth Management and founder of MLD Wealth Management. In this podcast, Chad shares concise, clear, and authentic views on the market, helping gain greater clarity on the current state of the investment landscape facing investors. Hey guys, Chad Larson with MLD Wealth. Uh, this is October, Money Matters. Um, sorry, we're kind of 10 days into the month here. Um, I was in Toronto all last week, um, meeting with the variable brain trust, uh, of our firm and, and, broader industry, um, taking stock of, of where we're at, looking at strategy, um, looking forward and kind of making, uh, making sense of the current context. Part of me, you know, was stressed. It was Thanksgiving this weekend, some time with family, uh, and friends. And I came into the office yesterday on the holiday, um, uh, to to start putting the pen to paper so to speak and and the notes together so as much as there was a guilt that you know i'm um a third of the way into the month anything i would have said last week would be semi off the table um, or i would be doing a flash um communique so today's timely um format is going to be very ad hoc um, but I hope informative, a lot to to unpack here. Um, so last week with the variable brain trust of the firm, uh, with Martin Roberge, Tony Dwyer, our chief market strategists, and had a very interesting fireside chat. Our, our keynote speaker that we brought in to uh, take stock of the world uh, was the Right Honourable Stephen Harper, uh, who served as Canada's 22nd Prime Minister from 2006 uh, to 2015 to to get his insights and outlook uh, from the geopolitics that, that shaped, economic policy, um, shake central bank policies and, uh, you know, ultimately affect the marketplace. Um, I've been saying, um, you know, and so as much as I'm excited to, uh, to talk to the topics, uh, this, this one could be long. So bear with me. Um, I kind of feel parroting, uh, that, a lot of the times, we're we're saying a lot of the same things over again. Again, back to January, we expected the markets to be very choppy into the front half of the year and, and more constructive into the back half of the year, as we saw economic recovery in 2024. Last month, uh, we pivoted that uh, outlook as as the Fed's tone for higher for longer. Uh, that interest rates, as we've seen most sharpest rising interest rates um, since I've been doing this for a career, which is uh, over 20 years. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit uh, about that in a second. Uh, Next week, I am in Los Angeles for two full days of meetings with uh, Blackstone, the likes of KKR, Apollo, Goldman Sachs, and interestingly enough, Mike Pompeo, uh, the former Secretary of State and Director of CIA. What does any of this have to do with our money, uh, with your money, our positioning strategies, and our tactical outlook for the market? given the events of what happened um, last uh, week over the weekend uh, in Israel, um, this is going to be something that we've talked about in, in the world is that there's two, two risks in the market at all the time. Uh, There's the known unknown, um, you know, when will interest rates change? When will um, Fed policy pivot? And then there's the unknown unknown and that unknown unknown became very, uh, apparent uh, over the weekend um we've talked about this obviously the russia ukraine conflict and now we have israel and palestine uh the new world order um so russia is has started the largest war in europe since world war ii um china has become bellicose toward taiwan um india has pivoted and embraced a virulent nationalism um and now we have you know, Hamas brazenly attacking Israel, launching thousands of missiles and publicly kidnapping and killing civilians. All of these developments are signs that the world may have fallen into a period of disarray. Uh, countries and political groups like Hamas are willing to take big risks rather than fearing the consequences that would become too dire. Um, the simplest explanation uh, of this is that in a world, in, in the midst of a transition to this new world order, uh, it's what experts describe as the world multipolar. Um, and Stephen Harper made the comments about, you know, we of, of being in a Cold War. Um, the United States is no longer the dominant power it once was, and no replacement has emerged. As a result, political leaders... Uh, in many places feel emboldened to assert their own interests, believing, uh, the benefits of aggression, aggressive action may outweigh the costs. Um, these leaders believe that they have more sway over their own region than the U S does. So a fully multipolar world has emerged and people are belatedly realizing that multipolarity involves quite a bit of chaos. um, you know this is you know uh, there was a, a chinese political scientist named shen Zhangjian um with ties to country leaders you know, similarly described the old order as disintegrating and countries are brimming with ambition, like tigers eyeing their prey, keen to find every opportunity among the ruins of the old order. So, you know, why has American power receded? And some of the changes are unavoidable. Dominant countries don't remain dominant forever, but the U S has also made strategic mistakes that are accelerating the arrival of a multipolar world. Um, Among these mistakes, presidents of both parties naively believed that a richer China would inevitably be a friendlier China and failed to recognize the U.S. was building up its own rival through lenient trade policies. Um, In Afghanistan and Iraq, the U.S. spent much of the 21st century fighting costly wars, um, proving to be incredibly costly. uh, and perhaps the biggest damage um, comes from a stance that the U.S. no longer wants to be the world police, so to speak, um, and signaling you know potential pullouts under a Republican regime of pulling out of NATO uh, and you know abandoning efforts in, in Ukraine. So a lot of politicism here today, and I try to not let my politics uh, come into to the fray um, when it comes to addressing economics. When I come to address the atrocious uh, brazen disregard for human life and, and breaches of, of human rights uh, you know, I'll let that speak for itself. Um, I want to, and sorry, just a moment there. It's uh, it's incredibly horrible. What's uh, what's going on in the world. But listen, I think one of the things why I, I speak to that is this, Unknown unknown has become known. And, you know, over the past two decades, it's become fashionable to based American hegemony, to speak derisively of American exceptionalism, to ridicule America's self arroganted function of world police and to yearn for a more balanced or multipolar world. Well, congratulations! Now that we have that world, you know, I think we're all going to see if we like it better. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of chaos. The world has lost um, uh, globalism and is now being more centered around. In that, you know, where does this create opportunity? Um, you know, we will see, but there's you know a lot of volatility unknowns uh, that are coming into the market right now. Um, and so, okay, um, do we sell everything? Do we go run and hide? Uh, I want to say, listen. It has been um, a difficult couple of years. Um, you know, this year on paper it looks like the S and P is up ten percent. A balanced investor is not. Uh, at the same time, and I'll tell you why. We've talked about it over the past uh, number of sessions, uh, and I've talked to many of you over the phone and in person, and, and heard me in heard have heard me on uh, this podcast. Um, the market's returns are incredibly narrow. Um, the exposure that we would have from being diversified and looking to preserve capital would never concede to a strategy where we had a third uh, plus of our money concentrated in seven stocks. Um, so this is a time where the S&P looks like it's up. It's kind of a benchmark we, we lean to for um captures the largest swath of the largest economy in the world. Uh, but at the same time, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the New York Stock Exchange Composite, the Russell 2000, and the equal weight S&P are all negative on the year. So we've talked about with this: the the concentration to a handful of tech stocks um, that have driven the market. We're now the market has dubbed them the Magnificent Seven. Um, but seven of the 11 sectors of the market between consumer discretionary, staples, health, banking, uh, industrials, metals, materials, energy, all of the sectors, there's seven sectors that make up a market and call them the food groups. Seven of the 11 of them are down on the year. So clearly the magnificent seven um, is providing the narrowest market I've ever seen in 20 years and has created the perception of a good year for stocks off the back of a, of a dismal 2022 where the benchmark for a balanced investor was minus 18%. And You know, hopefully for the last time I get to use this or I'll just take a pause from doing the podcast. While I'm very cognizant and respectful that relative returns don't fund retirement and pay the bills, I'm very proud of the positioning strategies and tactical nature in which we positioned last year to avoid calamity. Now this year, the front part of it, we, you know, we lag broader indices because of our conviction to things like the energy trade and, um, and oil specifically oil and gas. Um, uh, those sectors did terrible in the front half of the year. So we were trailing the race. You know, were falling behind in 2023. You know, if we measure each year and, and, you know, did I want to say we're going to pivot and do some window dressing and jump on the bandwagon? No, we were consistent in our in our in our out in our outlook and our viewpoints. Um, so that's changed, um, and we can speak back upwards or earlier to the podcast. You can imagine what energy uh, prices are doing now that there's massive geopolitical conflict, um, and the Middle East looks like it could be going into another cycle of of significant conflict. Um, but this narrow market that we've seen has created this perception of a good year for stocks, uh, that just hasn't been, uh, with those few stocks we've seen also, even the magnificent seven, we've seen a pres- pres- significant sell off over the last few weeks as well. So to put that in perspective, these seven largest stocks in the S and P 500 have returned 92% on average this year, but it's not terribly healthy for markets. Um, Again, if your generals are so far down the battlefield um, and your soldiers are falling behind, you can imagine what's going to happen if one or two generals uh, gets hurt. Uh, you could see, you know, large pockets of, of vacuums uh, within the marketplace. And we don't think this is sustainable. Um, so all of this um, volatility in the marketplace has brought two of the four key tactical indicators that we look at that would suggest you have a counter trend or an environment for a bounce. Um, and so we could be seeing a bounce in the market right now and people are saying, okay, is this the time? Um, you know, we've been waiting, Chad, we've been waiting where, you know, we have a lot of liquidity within our core portfolios. You know, we keep talking about keeping tactical, you know, is this the time to go all in as I've been super clear, Um, We don't want to fully play until we have an improved outlook for money. Uh, What I mean by that is um, the outlook for money that comes from a dramatic change in the tone from the Fed that causes significant and sustainable drop in U.S. Treasury yields, uh, corporate high yield rates and even investment grade rates and, of course, long term fixed mortgage rates, you've got to have something to stimulate an improved outlook for money that's going to cause an improved outlook for growth. Ultimately, investing is investing in growth of the economy. Now, a lot of things can be true at the same time. Um, but when we look at, and I've said this before, I'm academically trained as an economist, and you know, recession is categorically two quarters of, of negative economic growth. I've said we've been in it for a while, but the U S has staved this off both from a reclassification of the inputs of what that may look like. Um, but, the U.S. market has been incredibly resilient as during um, this incredible steepening of the yield curve and the most accelerated rise in interest rates that we've seen, again, since I've been doing this for 20 years, um, you've had massive stimulus into the market through the Inflation Reduction Protection Act, through the uh, infrastructure bill of the U.S. The U.S. has, again, Or 2.3 trillion dollars of stimulus government debt is ballooning though and you know potentially you know there's a small tail risk for a debt crisis in the u.s albeit small never unheard of this is would be a problem for everyone thinking long-term capital management crisis of the past but all we're seeing right now is stabilization and we continue to remain light and tight until you get a fundamental shift in the outlook for money um Other things that, you know, we kind of want to talk about, you know, through this is, you know, what does that mean for us? You know, should we go to cash? Should we look at um, buying GICs now? We're seeing um, structured GIC notes now uh, with interest rates of 6%. Most financial plans or family index numbers are built around numbers like that. Should we just bail out, uh, hit the easy button? Now, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, Two... This has been a one and unique time. Now, if there was duration available uh, and we could buy 15-year bonds north of 6% with a, you know, the risk of a government security, maybe. But we're talking about one and two-year um, duration uh, because the yield curve has, is steep. Rates are higher, closer, and, and, and uh, lower further out. So we don't want to be in a situation where you know we park, we pull out. Uh, we make six percent for one to two years. Well, one to two years out, what does the world look like? We know that over time equities uh, do outperform uh, treasury rates. In fact, they're priced off of a spread of those. And so when yes I, and, and, and additionally the tax taxable nature being very inefficient with interest income, I have to set the table and I think this really rues out um, shortly. You know, it's during periods, um, it's during a bear market. You make all your money. You just don't know it yet. And I know that's a colloquialism. The reality is and what we have to be prepared for and why we have to be congruent in our people, our process and our philosophy and really aligned to what we're doing is I think at an, at an economic level, it gets better, um, but at like a true, even spiritual level, um, people's metal is going to be tested because remember, it's during a recession that, that markets make their bottom. Um, you know, we're, if this was one baseball game, you know, we're in the eighth inning here. Um, the institutions and pensions have hedged out. Um, there's incredible amount of liquidity on the sideline. Um, the only last thing to shake out would be, you know, a retail investor kind of giving up and throwing the towel and when things turn. And it will be during the period it's doing the hardest things. Um, It's doing the right things at the hardest times, which become the impossible. Um, And that is, you know, growth is found during periods of being uncomfortable and during periods of pain. So when we see an acceleration and peak, terrible economic uh, data coming out, joblessness numbers, um, mortgage default rates, um, negative earnings revisions you're going to see that all means this tightening phase or quantitative tightening that's gone on has worked and is working at that point you will see the inflation contract as companies perform poorly economic product productivity uh, comes down housing prices come down that means the fed will have the confidence to stimulate the market and to balance out the market, if and when we do see, and it is not an if, it is a when, when you see a structural shift of the Fed to ease money, to accommodate uh, policy, um, and money comes flooding back into the market, you will see a structural bull market develop, and you will very quickly not, not wish you were trapped in a to your GIC because when the markets turn, they will turn aggressively. So I guess what I'm asking is list all of the feelings that you're having. It's something I've said many, many times before, how you feel about the market and how you feel about your investment strategy uh, is equally as important as what you're invested in. We're here to um, be the calm hand. We're here to uh, be pragmatic, uh, we're here to give advice, uh, we're here to talk through complex economic uh, situations and variable inputs that are happening live 24 hours a day across the world um, to ultimately achieve what our goal and what our job is. And I, I said this to my team this morning, You know, every Monday morning uh, we have a, a town hall internally within MLD Wealth um, where we talk about the week in front of us over the weekend, what are the key things we're working on? And Tuesdays, um, you know, I get up on my pulpit, so to speak, and and give the lay of the land from uh, from an economic standpoint, but from an investment uh, positioning strategy. Uh, ultimately, we are here to construct portfolios for high quality people um, that are our private clients. That, amongst other things, seek to uh, position capital to the best way possible to give them the highest probability of achieving their goals over the long term. There's things we can control and there's things that we can't. There's things that are interesting and there's things that are important. We try to push things together as much as we can. And ultimately our goal is to construct portfolios and, and position families um, to have the highest probability of achieving their uh, goals over market cycles during periods like this. Again, our job is to hold the line. Our job is to, um, have less downside capture. And that is, and I want to leave that where I'm, I'm banking in on the 20 minute mark. Academically, there's only one way to outperform the market. It's to take on more risk. The other way is if we can be in a scenario where we have less downside capture as a percentage base, then uh, upside capture, arithmetically, we will outperform over the long term. We're looking to that benchmark to the family, um, and I look at it and say, be congruent in your um, how you approach your investments. Be congruent in how you approach the dialogue or discussion in and around that, and don't allow emotion to to come into play um feel free to contact myself or any member of the team at any time um i think things are going to get choppy from an at an emotional level there's going to be a lot of noise on the headline um we're here for you and i hope you guys have a wonderful balance of october if anything uh happens even more crazy uh over the next couple weeks uh, i'll i'll do another one of these but again uh, my office my line my email constantly open um i look forward to Feedback. I look forward to commentary. Again, I try not to be uh, as old school as to direct Outlook and pick up the phone a hundred times to have the same hundred conversations. I hope you find this valuable. But at any time, if you have a concern, it means it's important to myself and my team. And feel free to reach out. Have a wonderful day. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done. By MLD Wealth Management, they may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord Genuity Corp beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as solicitation to act. As a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction, all views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about the information contained in this video or have any related questions. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in Canada is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.